love our theme for this year, which is knowing, growing and sowing. Out of Mark chapter 3, verse 13 and following, where Jesus went up a mountainside and called to Him those He wanted and they came to Him. Uh, I'm gonna keep emphasising, He called and they responded. And today there's gonna be a very clear call to each and every one of you in different ways. The question is, are you gonna come to Him? Are you gonna respond? And He appointed the 12 that they might be with Him and that He might send them out. You see, this is a whole thing that goes to the very heart of God and the very heart of legacy and everything else we seek to do as a church. It's not just about me and Jesus. Jesus is always saying, yeah, that's good. I want you to be with me, but who are you gonna go and connect with? I'm gonna send you out into your workplace, into different situations, into your neighbourhoods, into your friendship groups. And I want you to represent me there. I want you to live as a sent person, a person on mission, a person who's being commissioned. And so in this series on legacy, living a life that lasts beyond yourself, We've talked about the big concept of God being a generational God and a God of legacy. And then last week, we talked about some very practical things that Paul talks to us about out of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where he takes up a special offering for the relief of people who are facing a famine and crisis. And we talked about the financial principles and some of the concepts that God has for us as we sow our seed. Because He talks about that you can be a sower or just a consumer. And God says, yeah, there's bread for you to eat in all my provision. You need to provide for yourself. But I'll always give you something to sow. There's always seed and don't ever eat the seed, even if the seed starts off as being a small amount in your life. But today I wanna to talk about legacy that we leave in the lives of others. The concept from generation to generation. God is a generational God. And when He introduced Himself to Moses and commissioned him to go and deliver the children of Israel out of the promised land, He said this to him, in Exodus 3.15, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and God of Jacob has sent me to you. He says, tell them that because Moses says, who shall I say has sent me? And then notice the statement, this is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so he's saying, I'm the God of this generation, but I work generationally. I work through Abram, through Isaac, through Jacob. Now I'm working through you. And my name from generation to generation is a God who is concerned, not just about the past, the present, but what's gonna happen in the future generationally. And we can all build a legacy life. Yeah, part of it is in the material things we give. Part of it is in the serving. But the other is asking, what do we actually invest into the lives of others generationally? And whose life will you invest in? Whose life are you investing in? And maybe for some, you got a bit frustrated because they're not responding quite the way you thought they would. Whether your own children, your grandchildren, other people's children, 
whatever, friendships, whatever. And, and but don't give up because you are sowing seed with every encouragement, with every bit of wise counsel. I'm not talking about controlling their lives. If you're trying to do that, stop it. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. You don't have to play Holy Spirit in somebody else's life. But it's about leaving a lasting legacy. I love something that Mel Fletcher said, and he was a significant leader in Australia, is now living in the UK and has been for a time, but seeded and was one of the people that founded Youth Alive. And where to date, I think there's over 400,000 young people who've given their lives to the Lord through that ministry. But he said this, a generational church is a place where Abraham resources Isaac. Isaac releases Jacob and Jacob reveres Abraham. And he's talking about Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the generational concept. That's sitting right here in this room, there are some Abraham generation people. There are some Isaac and there's the emerging of the Jacob and what that interaction should be between them. A generational church is a place where Abraham resources Isaac, Isaac releases Jacob, and Jacob reveres Abraham. And God's plan for his church is always to have at least three generations doing life together and serving Jesus together. Listen to what happens on the day of Pentecost as Peter declares and tries to explain. And I know the primary focus is actually on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we're gonna go into a series now, just after this, on the Holy Spirit. And so we're tying this together. But he quotes from the prophet Joel, in the last days, says God, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Right there, that's breathtaking. Because in the Old Testament, it's only priests, prophets, and a few select people that received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He says, now it's for everybody who names the name of Jesus. And he says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm still in the vision area, if you believe it or not. That wasn't very nice. We ever laughed that way. <laughs> But I want you to notice there's generations here, sons and daughters, young people, fathers, older people that are working together. And the Holy Spirit, I'm pouring myself out on all of you, not just some of you, all of you. In 1 John, and I love this passage, and I've got to be careful not to go on a tangent on it. I'll be disciplined. But John, the beloved apostle, speaks to three generations. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children. And he's speaking about people who've newly come to faith, who are finding their first steps in following Jesus. He says, because your sins have been forgiven on account of His name. I love that. Your sins are forgiven on account of His name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, young women, because you have overcome the evil one. And he actually repeats it with a slight variation on it. But the point that I'm making is not what he actually says to each generation. And I love what he says to each generation, but that would be the tangent. But that he's speaking to three generations within the church. 
And he's saying, all of you have something to do. All of you have a role to play. I'm speaking generationally, John is communicating to us. And so whatever generation you belong to, you are valuable to God. You have a part to play. You have a role to play. You've got something to contribute. And you've got a vital role to play in God's master plan for the church and for the advancement of His kingdom. That none of us are here just for ourselves. We are here, yes, to follow Jesus, but to follow Him in such a way that there's this community that advances the kingdom of God, that we live as kingdom people, not just selfish people. And so I wanna start off talking about a call to the younger generation. And I'll let you pick where you sit in this. But God is watching. I want to speak to the younger generation. And in that, maybe you're new to faith and that makes you part of the younger. Maybe you are literally chronologically younger than me, which would be most of you, sadly. Not all of you, but some of you. God said to Jeremiah, and I love this passage because it's the passage through which God called me as a 17-year-old to himself and to ministry. And the nation at the time when Jeremiah is called is in chaos. It's intimidating. It's massive. And he begins to make excuses. And let me just say, the making of excuses in responding to God's call is not just the young people. I would say all of us do it at some other time. And so while I'm speaking to the younger, the words are actually for all of us. The Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. Do not say I'm too middle-aged. Do not say I'm too old. Whatever you would like to say as an excuse. But in this is specifically to Jeremiah, a young man. Do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you. And that is the assurance all of us have when we want to take that step, responding to the call. We may feel ill-equipped, tentative, too young, too old, too whatever. God says, I'm going to be with you and I will lead you. I will direct you. I will instruct you. So I want to give a bit, three pieces of advice to younger generation responding to an older generation. The first is to extend honour to those who have gone before you. This week, I was down in Adelaide to, on Friday to attend Pastor Andrew Evans's funeral. Now, some of you know who that is, but he led our movement uh, for 20 years and saw the greatest transformation of the Pentecostal church in Australia. It's phenomenal, his legacy, which has now lived on in his sons. And it was just a wonderful thing to see the generational impact of a couple, he and his wife, who decided to just live full out for Jesus, invest in others. And their sons, Russell and Ashley, led the funeral. And it was with great joy and grace. There were moments of poignancy and sadness, obviously. But they joked about the funny things, the quirky things. But it all came down that he actually raised up others, invested in others. And the honour that was extended was just wonderful. 
We wouldn't be sad that the only time that honour is extended is at a funeral. It should be extended during life as well. Ephesians 6, 2-3 says, Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that you may go, so it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now clearly, this is specifically speaking to families, but the principle is extended to the family of God. Honour the fathers and mothers in the house because God says there's a promise. When you extend honour to others, God says, I'm gonna bless you because you understand the concept of honour. Not just the honouring of the Lord, but honouring others who've gone before, who've paved the way, who may have made some mistakes, not always got it perfectly right, but have sought to passionately follow Jesus in order to make a way for others and to leave a legacy. When an older person encourages, instructs, counsels, corrects, you should put weight on their words, even if you think they may be wrong. Instead of just dismissing them, just say, God, I'm going to pray of this. Maybe there's something here that you are saying to me. That's part of the whole honouring. In 1 Peter 5 and verse 5, and again, it's speaking to eldership here, but the principle of honouring those who've gone before you. You who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. All of you, which includes the elders now, all of you dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Now, some of you took a while to pick out what you're going to wear this morning. Some of you didn't care at all. I'm not going to pick on you, but you just put on what was ever there. Nah, I think you all took time. You're looking... Wonderful. But did you consciously put on humility in the concept of relating one to another? This flows across the generations, this walking with humility. And we see the exact opposite going on in the world around about us. Opinionated arrogance. And sometimes... Maybe they're writing what they're saying, but the way it's been said, the way it's been communicated. Because here's the thing. God opposes arrogance. But He gives grace to the humble. Have you ever actually thought about that? That you may be completely right about something, but you're arrogant in the way you're going about it in the way that you're talking to others, in the way that you're treating others. And God says, you do that, I will oppose you. No, not even the devil. He says, I'm gonna step in and oppose you until you learn humility as it relates to one another. And then comes the promise. God gives grace to the humble. He allows. There are things that the grace of God will cover. I'm not talking about covering sin now, but in getting something wrong, misunderstand. If you approach people with a spirit of humility, yeah, you can have deep conviction about it, but you actually communicate, live, and the way you honour others is with humility. 
So the first thing is younger, honor. Second, you need to act. You need to live a lifestyle that honors God. Again, picking up of some of the beloved apostles' writings in 3 John, and he's writing to a local church in this situation. He says, it gives me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to truth, telling me how you continue to walk in it. Notice that phrase, how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I can testify to that. One of the greatest joys that Linda and I have is seeing others that we've invested something. Sometimes this is just a little bit. Sometimes they've been in the house, gone on to do other things. And to see their success, that they are walking in the truth. They are walking in what God has called them to. It's one of the greatest joys to see that kind of fruitfulness. And so the, the challenge to those who are younger, keep following Jesus. Just keep following Jesus and seeking to walk in obedience to His will and plan and purpose. And that means there's gonna be times of wrestling with the will of God, arguing with God and try to convince Him that you're right and He's wrong. Well, good luck with that, but keep doing it in terms of walking in the truth, walking with Jesus. Not, they didn't just listen to the truth. They didn't just know a whole lot of truth. They walked in truth. And that means wrestling with things in the Bible that are counter to the culture around about you and not letting that culture. Yeah, we need to engage it differently. We need wisdom in engaging our modern day culture, but we shouldn't ever Submit to it. We submit to the authority of the Word of God and the living Word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say, the Bible should have far more authority in your life than Dr. Google or anything else Google says. Just saying, just saying. Listen to what Paul says about Timothy, who was a son in the faith. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. This is Philippians 2, 19 and following. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy has proved himself. As a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. And there's a lot that could be said about what Paul says about Timothy in this situation, but he's proved himself. He's proved himself and he's served with me in the gospel. I love that. Not he served me, I love Paul's humility on this. It's not that he works for me. No, he worked with me. He served with me. And he's lifting Timothy up in that way as a younger person that he invited to come on the journey of faith with him, come on the mission with him. And he's saying, I'm gonna send him because there's nobody who gets my heart and the heart of God as much as Timothy does when he comes to you. What a thing to aspire to for all of us, but also for the younger generation. 
And the third thing that I'd say to the younger generation, be aware or be diligent. And again, I'm going to borrow some words of Paul to Timothy, where in 1 Timothy 4, 12 and through to verse 15, he says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. Now, he's not saying to Timothy, if somebody looks down on you or makes a snide comment, then you should argue and post it on Instagram or you know, have a protest march or anything. He says, no, I'll tell you how you stop people talking down to you, looking down on you. You set the example. You set the example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity, until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Now, the public reading was because many people were illiterate and so somebody had to read the Scriptures to them. But I'd say today, devote yourself to the reading of Scripture, whether it's public or private. Do not neglect your gift. I want to say to all the younger generation, do not neglect the gifts that God has put in your life. You will find expression for them, yes, in the house of God, in the church, but you will find expression for them in the workplace as you seek to be a kingdom person, wherever God has placed you, in school, in university, in the workplace, in the neighbourhood. Do not neglect the gift that is within you. The platform is not the only place for the demonstration of the gifts that God has placed within you. In fact, for the majority, it's going to be in other spheres, seizing the opportunities that God gives you. Don't neglect the gift of God that is within you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. The word example there literally means to leave an imprint. To leave an imprint in somebody's life because they saw that kind of lifestyle being lived out. You set an example, you left an imprint. And when you are diligent and you use the gifts and you follow these other things, the imprint that is left is something of the image of Jesus in other people's lives. And the reality is maybe the only Jesus some people will see until they encounter Him personally is you, is me. To the most important days in your life, Mark Twain said, it's the day you were born and the day you find out why. Obviously, as followers of Jesus, we would say, also the day you come to surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether online or here in the auditorium, if you haven't done that yet, we're going to give you an opportunity. So I've given three things. There could be a longer list, but I've given three things to younger generation. A call to you today to honour, to act, to walk in faith, to be diligent, to be aware. But I'm going to speak now to the older generations. And the power of a multi-generational church occurs when generations do not settle in their comfort zone but remain passionate about God, about what He's doing and say, God, I want my life to count in terms of a legacy, a deposit in others. And please do not measure the size of your audience by what God can do through the one that you invest in. 
You should look up. I'm not going to have time to tell it. But Billy Graham led literally millions of people to the Lord. But he got saved in a church of a pastor who felt he'd failed, but he diligently preached the gospel Sunday after Sunday, every single opportunity. He didn't realise when Billy Graham got saved that he was just a piece in what God was doing in an incredible master plan. So to the older generation, this is the call, to embrace those who are younger. Timothy was a young man when Paul invited him into ministry. In Acts 16, it says he was well spoken of, that is Timothy was well spoken of by the brethren. And Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. So he took him and circumcised him. Interesting concept of discipleship right there. There's a reason for it and Paul gives it that we don't have time to get into it. But I want you to notice those words and I'm speaking now to the old generation. He wanted Timothy to come with him. He invited him into his world. Again, one of the things that came out over and over again, those who spoke at Pastor Andrew Evans' funeral, was he was a great man of prayer and he always invited people to come and pray with him. And they learned how to pray by praying with them. And so I'm just saying, it doesn't have to be the big, it's the everyday things. Inviting, you want them to be with you. And out of that friendship that can build, there's impartation, there's an imprint that's left. David was a teenager when God called him and began using him. And what you need to be looking for is not the outward thing, but what's God doing in a young person's heart? It says that Jesse had seven sons passed before Samuel. Samuel was sent to anoint the new king. And Jesse, David's father, presented all the big strapping sons and David was like a bit of an embarrassment, it seems, to the family. The unlikely one. And Samuel said, hearing God, it's not any of these. And he said, well, do you have anybody? Oh, yeah, we've got that scrappy kid out the back. He's the youngest, he's tending the sheep. And through Samuel, God said, send him to me. It's often the unlikely. The ones you think, well, what good can come out of that? That God does something extraordinary. Because often all they need is someone to believe in them, someone to be praying for them, somebody to be encouraging them. So embrace the younger generation. Remember that God looks at the heart. And when you see an experience, when you see tattoos, when you see, heaven help me, man buns, Look past them. Look past them. God doesn't see those things. I do want to give some of them haircuts. <laughs> God sees the future of his kingdom. If you haven't seen it, I'd urge you to go and see that movie, Jesus Revolution. Because I actually think we're on the cusp of something similar happening across the world. 
And God moved amongst a group of hippies who dropped out from society and it became a global phenomenon. And there's this stodgy, I think he'd call it himself, old school pastor who needs God to touch his heart to embrace them. Out of this comes this phenomenal move of God. Because the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Because I've rejected those. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And to, for an older generation, saying, God, let me see the heart of the young people that are around me, that I can say something, invest something, encourage. And maybe you don't have to give a whole lot of wise advice, except just, just encourage them to follow the Lord, to get involved, to live passionately for Jesus. And the third thing in this call to the older generation is rejoice. Guard your heart against any jealousy or resentment of all the young people. I could sing better than that, you know, or whatever. We do have multi-generational on the platform, and, but God opens doors for younger generation at time to step through. Don't get upset about that. Rejoice in that. Young people need to steward it wisely. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph dreamed another dream. He told his brothers and said, Behold, I've had a dream, another one. Behold, the sun, the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down before me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him. And his brothers were jealous of him. But the father kept the saying in mind. I just love his father in this situation. He did react. He didn't think it was the wisest thing, the nicest thing. Oh, that's how great you're going to be. There was the foolishness of Joseph who could have worded the whole thing a whole lot better. And there's another passage where he told, he had another dream and he told his brothers again. Like he's rubbing it in. He's a bit of a brat, to be honest with you. You're like, yeah. But the father knew something. Jacob, his father, knew something about the ways of God to say, this just could be from God. And I'm not going to shut it down. I'm not going to cut it off. I'm going to try and counsel him to be wiser. And the story unfolds in a dramatic way. But he didn't just silence it or shut it off. He kept it in mind. You shouldn't be threatened by the big dreams of young people in our midst, but encourage them and back them as much as we can. Came across an incredible story that really touched my heart. And it was the story of a returning missionary on a ship back in the days before flights and all the rest of it. He sent his life into the Pacific Islands and was now returning home. His family had died on the field. He was alone. And on the ship was a celebrity. And when it came into port, there was a large crowd welcoming the celebrity. And he had a moment and he said, Lord, I served you my whole life.
There's nobody here for me. It hurts. Nobody to welcome me home. And he heard the whisper of God. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. There'll be a welcome in heaven. And the point that I'm making with the story, it's not just what's before us, younger, older, when it comes to legacy. We are sowing something for eternity. We are kingdom people called to serve the King of Kings. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what we see, everything around us, good, bad or otherwise is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen. And I wanna ask you right at this point, I was watching online, I was here in the auditorium, how's things in terms of your eternity? Is it secure? Do you know without a doubt that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour? You see, we're not talking about religion, about you earning your way to heaven. That's a fool's errand. People say, hey, if I can just balance the scale, do enough good things versus bad things, I'm sure I'll get to heaven. Well, the question I've got to you, how do you know when you've balanced the scales? And how terrible would it be? I mean, it's unbiblical, that concept, but how terrible would you be if God said, oh, you just had to do one more thing, sorry. You see, God doesn't leave it to that kind of risk, to that kind of approach of earning your way to heaven. He says, you can't, none of you can earn your way to heaven. That's why I sent my son Jesus to lay down his life, to die in your place, so that He can give you the gift of eternal life. And all we have to do is just to receive it. And if you've never ever done that, this is your opportunity. Online, wherever you're sitting, wherever you're watching from, here in the auditorium, this is your opportunity. This is a moment in time that will determine your eternity. It's an invitation, not just from me. This is an invitation from the Father, heart of God to you. I sent my Son to lay down His life for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes, that's all you have to do, put your faith, put your trust, whoever believes would have eternal 